Hello Team Builder. Thank you so much for joining us today on Ask Michelle and Chris. We're here to answer your questions about team building so we can learn and grow together. I'm your host, Chris Cabert of Fun Doing and On Team Building. I'm joined by my co-host, Michelle Cummings of Training Wheels. Let's go find out what we can answer for you today. Hey Chris, how's it going? Hi Michelle. Hi. Uh, yeah, this is, we're, we're doing a little we call a recording session. So this <laughs> yep. is our second for today. Second one of the day. Because uh, we don't, we haven't been able to get together as much as we would like. Been busy. Uh, in this fall, getting back to school kind of thing. But yeah, going well. I just came back from a, a day-long training out in California. It's a, it was a team building activity training. And I just, I could do that. Well, I could have done that. <laughs> All day long. I could do that, you know. Every day, yeah. Um, but now I probably have to take a day off in between. Each one. <laughs> it's so fun to teach new facilitators mm -hmm. things that I've been doing forever, and they just think it's just great. These are, you know, super cool, easy to easy to learn. Uh, I think that's important to get those new people hooked and and uh, get them excited about team building and the and the and the potential of it. Yeah. Yeah. And. Okay. Yeah, you? You've been doing okay? Uh, yeah. We've been, we've Since been our doing last it. recording? Yes. <laughs> right? Since yeah. 15 minutes ago? Just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been really good. It's been a nice... Um, I actually took a little bit of time. I went on a camping trip. Took my camper. Went on a camping trip. And actually, it was just really nice to not think about work for a few days. And I yeah. needed that because I've been... I've had a very robust schedule over the summer. And so I was ready for a little downtime so it's super important to get some downtime especially absolutely. when you do a lot of cognitive type of work like team building is team yeah. building is very cognitive focused for the facilitator taking breaks taking breaks is important absolutely uh we've All right, got let's start out with one icebreaker question just to kick us off so let's chris what is one thing you like to do in the summer one thing i like to do in the summer uh, you know, the first thing my brain goes to is walk on the beach, but I don't think that's true in the summer. I'm more of a cooler weather walk on the beach person. Um, the, my One of my favorite things to do is actually find and enjoy good ice cream oh, in the summer. Nice. It's that cooling effect. You got to kind of, and I try different ice cream shops, mm -hmm. well, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think if that was a summer adventure, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have many things I like to do in the summer. I love camping. I don't get to do it as often as I'd like, but I do love to go camping. So summertime is, but I, I will say the hot, hot part of the summer, I don't like to camp in. Yeah, yeah. I'm more of a like early summer, late summer camper because then it's uh, not as hot during the day, cools off significantly at night. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I do love that. Nice. And then I love I love fishing that goes along with camping. But then I also love harvest. Wheat harvest in Kansas, which that is a very hot, um, always 4th wow. of July-ish yeah, kind yeah. of time frame. But I love it because it is just, it's a family tradition thing that we do when you have farm ground in Let Kansas. me ask you about fishing. Oh, okay. When you say you love fishing. Now, you are a fly, fly fisher. fisher. Correct. Um, do fly fishers tend to categorize the fact that they love fly fishing or is it a general just we love fishing oh no it's generally fly fishing i love fly fishing correct because yeah. that's most fly 
fishers that I know mm -hmm. will make sure that they say they're fly fishers. Fly fishers, yep. Mm -hmm. Because when you say fishing, the first thing that comes to mind, but you go in a big boat and you're fishing for Yeah, that is not the marlins. type of fishing I do. Yeah. Right, that's, so I just want to be clear yeah. that she is not out on the big boats <laughs> on the waves. No. You know, sitting in the, in the, in the chair. Uh, in the action chair, I don't know what they call it, the chair, so four oh, yeah, hours no. in the chair. I'm standing you know. in a river waving a big stick. Yeah, so there's a meditative <laughs> aspect to yes. what you do, I think. Absolutely. And fly fishers, do all catch and release? No, fly not, fishers? Not, not all, all, but most do. Okay, most it's more for the... It depends on the type of fish that you're fishing for also. Okay. Like if you're fishing for salmon in Alaska, then those fish are going to die in a couple weeks anyway. So you that's usually catch and eat rather than catch and release. Got it. So, but you know, if you're fishing in Colorado and you're fishing for rainbow trout, you want to leave that trout there for other people to catch as well. Wow. So, so it's more catch and release. Sucks for the trout, right? Yeah. Well, you know what's crazy is that um, <laughs> we're getting totally off topic here. But, That's okay. But the hook, you know, as it goes through a, a fish's mouth, um, their mouths will heal within a couple of hours. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. It's crazy. They are very, very resilient is what they are. So anyway. Cool. Nice. Hey, well, we get a sight. We, we do that all the time. <laughs> if you've been listening long enough, you know we get. Hey, okay. I, I, I came in today wanting to celebrate you for your new book. I mean, you and I Yay. both have been writing books for a really long time and new ones are, they are, can't be literally, but figuratively children. Yes, they are. That we bear. <laughs> Birth into this world. Yes, <laughs> yes, because, and what you had to go through to get this one done is probably something, you know, you're trying to avoid these kinds of things as we're getting on in our publishing career is we want it to be easier. And right. this one, this one was hard. This one was harder. <laughs> it was really than, hard. Yeah. Because of all the, all the nuances and details you had to get it done. But congratulations. Thank you. And the book is, the book is, I mean, I've talked about it a lot. Drum roll. It's team building from the toy aisle is now finally here. Yes. So Matthew Broda, Trevor Dunlap and I, um, have been working on this for um, for quite a while, at least a good year and a half. The pandemic didn't necessarily help the process. You would think, oh, people could write a lot of books during the pandemic. What else are they doing? But uh, but I tell you what, this one, it, it took a lot to get um, out into the world. And mainly because, you know, the premise of this book is that we took mainstream games that are out there and then tweak and change them to fit the team building field. Well, because we're using a lot of other people's work, there were a lot of permissions that we had to get to make this, um, to, to be able to publish it. So that's why when Chris says this one was harder, it was because, oh my goodness, the level of permissions that we had to get on this one was painful. Yeah. So, but it is now done, it is out. And I tell you what, it is so much fun. And it really is a lot of new games that have, have, have never been out there in the team building field before. Yeah, so, cool. so we're excited to put some new stuff out there. Yeah. So we thought today would be fun to highlight a few of the games. And so the question or slash topic that we're going to discuss is the team building from the toy aisle mindset. So now Chris and I, this is not necessarily a new mindset for us. This is something that, that like our MacGyver brains have just naturally done because for years people way before this book even came into being people are like how do you come up with new games all the time and i was like well honestly i go to where other people have been creative 
and I looked to see what they did and then see if I could tweak and change it to make it work for the team building field. So where I often have found inspiration have been at teacher supply stores, toy stores. Um, Chris is is famously um, known for his pet store Pet finds. store toys. Man, <laughs> those pets got cool toys. They do have cool toys. Yeah. So, so, but really you find something that was not designed for us and then you make it into, you, you breathe it, breathe new life into it. Basically. I'm like, okay, that was really creative. I love that. Now I'm going to tweak and change it just a little bit. And now it is something that really works well. You know, so Chris has been very successful in the toy aisle with his ricochet ball and with pool noodles and many, many other things, but those are two notables that uh, that Chris has done. And for me, the playing cards, you know, like I, my playing card story is, is it, that also was a painful experience to go through, but man, did it have a, a, a big return on the other end where I got all of my, all of my props for my team building program um, were lost in transit. So I had to um, frantically go to a toy aisle and I found playing cards and I ended up overnight coming up with close to 20 new games using just a deck of playing cards. And that's how my book, Playing with a Full Deck. Sometimes out of necessity. Exactly. What do we have? And we want to accomplish this. How do I use it to accomplish this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's And that's where that mindset comes in. Yeah. The mindset is, how do you walk into a store? Uh, I Also, hardware stores. Oh, yeah. Hardware stores are one of my favorite places. And you just walk the aisles thinking about, if I'm working with a group of people, how can this tool transform some learning? Mm -hmm. And just you find the craziest, weirdest things just to pick up and try. Some stuff doesn't work. Doesn't? Mm -hmm. It's not cost effective or it's not, maybe people can't get it. It's not readily available to everyone. So you gotta consider kinds of props you're using. But when you talk about toys and games, now these kinds of things are easily accessible to people because they're you could search on the on the web all day and find these kind of mm -hmm. games that are easy to get your hands on. Yeah. So let's let's go with um, shared activity, share a game from the book. Sure. And you're gonna you're gonna go through the process of how you thought about the game and the way it's played, and then how you transformed it into something team builders can use. Yeah. So I'm gonna start with one of my favorites called Anomia. Now, Anomia is a game that was created by Andrew Eines. And Andrew, he, he created this game in 2009. And a big tip to Andrew, he also, during the pandemic, he celebrated a big milestone where he actually sold his one millionth Anomia game out there in the world. And so we were able to connect with Andrew over Zoom and meet him and hear the story of how he brought the game of Anomia into the world. And so the, the word Anomia uh, in the Webster's Dictionary actually means a problem with word finding or recall. So it's one of those where like, you know, our brains are full of all of these categories. Like we know all these different things, right? So you've got you know, things to read, uh, pop songs, websites, so forth. All those things, like we have these categorical things in our brains, right? And we think, you know, how many of you ever watched a game show where you're like, oh, I totally, oh, here's the answer, I know it. But when you're the one that is under pressure and you have to recall something in the moment, sometimes your mind just goes completely blank, right? It kind of reminds me of the game, um, 
the tarp game that we sometimes play with names, the tarp drop, yes. right? Where like Pikahoo. Pikahoo. Yeah, Pika-hoo. that game where like especially for intact teams, it's so funny because you hold a tarp in between two people and then um, they don't know who's on the other side of the tarp and then you drop the tarp and the first person to say the other person's name on the other side wins that person to their team. Well, it's so funny. Like you could work with the same teammates for years, but yet in the moment you look at this person, you're like, I have no idea what your name is, yeah, right? Recall, right? So, right? so it's that like in the moment recall. So that's the game. That's the premise of the game Anomia. That uh, basically it's a it's a card game. So there's there's topics like I'm looking at a deck of them right here. So artist tool, a type of lettuce, edible grain, a pirate accessory, a pack animal, a hospital the first lady, space shuttle, the 90s band, documentary films. So th- those are all the different topics. And then, not, not all, but those are examples of, t- of the different topics that are on there. Then there's also a symbol in the center of the card. And so, so how the game was originally designed is that everybody gets a deck of cards and you flip over cards until two <coughs> players have symbols that match and then you look at each other's cards and I would have to re- I would have to name something from the category on my opponent's card and they would have to name one from my card and the first person that announces whatever that is then wins that card and then you play to whoever has all the cards it is hysterical fun this is a fantastic game to have in your game night repertoire for your families your friends whoever you play games with regularly so highly re- recommend anomia and there's that the instructions of course the full instructions are with the game if you didn't catch exactly how to play through mine but from now we take this from the toy aisle to team building how do i take that same deck of cards and then tweak it and change it because of the elements that are on the cards to make it work for the team building field. So we ended up coming up with three different games for Anomia for the team building field. So one of them is called Diversity Dots, um, which is a twist on one of the games that I sell at Training Wheels called Diversity Dots because of the symbols. Now that particular game would use just the symbols. Then the game that I wanna describe for you all though is called Quick Category Commonalities because it is a great icebreaker game that you could use with your group. So basically how you would do this is you're gonna invite your group to get into a circle and give everybody one Anomia card to every participant and describe what makes the cards unique. So you know, on the cards, the players are gonna find a word and a symbol, and both are relevant during this particular game. So in round one, you just inform the group that you are gonna shout out a specific way that the group is supposed to group up and that they have 10 seconds to get into the the appropriate group. So for example, you might yell out group by symbols and then you begin a countdown from 10, nine, eight, and then the group then has those 10 seconds to find everybody else in the group that shares the same symbol on their card that they do. And you can adjust the time, of course, based on the functioning level of your group. Maybe it's 20 seconds, maybe 10 seconds is too late. So you can adjust that time. But basically you give them um, those 10 seconds and then it is a mad, frantic, um, you know, like craziness, chaos that ensues where they're, they're all like quickly trying to get into the correct group in, that, in the time period that you give them. Then you give them 90 seconds to identify one thing that they all have in common. Because that group now is a unique little group that they all formed based on the symbol. 
give them 90 seconds to come up with that one thing that they all have in common. Then have each group quickly announce what their commonality is to the rest of the groups. So it's a great way to just really start building that whole, surfacing that behavior of connection and you know, breaking the ice a little bit, finding out the things that I have in common with other people. And since there are a lot of cards I'm seeing, lots, lots. you can do this with large groups. And I'm even envisioning, I'm looking at a diamond. Mm -hmm. There might be, because of a large group, there might be three little pods of diamonds oh, right. that haven't gotten together, but they're still a small group. Right. And they still can find things in common. So you'd, it wouldn't be a have to be with your group. You just got to be with common people. Yep. Oh, nice. Very okay. cool. So then now it's going to be round two. You're going to announce another category. And then participants have their 10 seconds or so to get into a new group. So, um, so that one you could be, um, you know, the do something like suggested categories like all right on like maybe it's the first one was on symbols the second one could be maybe um man-made versus natural like you would find out in the world right so now they have to look at whatever their category is and decide is that a man-made thing or is that a natural thing mm. which so now there's a lot of um it's a different process of thinking right mm -hmm. and then so it could be very subjective based on what they think their thing is. Like, well, is this man-made? Is it naturally made? Um, and then those, so those I would give a little bit more time rather than 10 seconds. I would like give them maybe 30 seconds right, right. to first determine what it is. And you're like, um, and then they have to scramble to find their group. And then you repeat that process. So then they would um, find something that they have in common with that group. So then you can continue, you know, and doing that, coming up with the different categories of what they are and having them divide into their smaller groups. Yeah, and looking at the cards and then determining, since there's so many kinds of cards, mm -hmm. you could create your own uh, pack that you hand out to people based on the categories you can call yes, from those cards. exactly. Very cool. So yeah, cool. you could be colors or people, places, and things, or you know things like that. So those are the different types of categories that you, yes. the facilitator, could shout out, and then they all race to find their different groups and then find the things that they have in common. Very so, nice. Very so that nice. one, it's been really fun. Um, and also allows for a lot of creativity within the actual group themselves to um, A, come up with that commonality, but B, also to <laughs> to creatively get into their category groups as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, very nice. So I'm gonna have to put uh, Anomia on my, what I call my thrift store list. Ooh, okay. I love to go, I have my list, and on my list so far is Quirkle. I use a lot of Quirkle pieces for uh, an activity called what, What's Missing. Uh, I look for dominoes because mm. dominoes, you have uh, some things to do processing with dominoes. There's the activity Animad. Yep. So I look for inexpensive dominoes. And I also look for anything that has cards, which Anomia has cards, that I can use to hand out to groups. Uh, the thrift store prices are a little better, <laughs> so you don't have to worry so much about your cards. Uh, investing in a game and then using them handing them out you do have that have to have the mindset of you might not get it back the way you handed it out because depending on the group they kind of roll them up in their hand they stick oh. them in their pocket yep. if they're if they're taking a card like when you play spot it and you compete against each other and somebody wins and then they uh, assertively grab the card out of the hand of the other person and they tear the card so you do have to have a mindset of letting go 
of your valuable games, right. so to speak. That brings me to the, a card game that I love to use in a different way called Dixit. Oh, I love Dixit. Dixit. Oh, uh, it's so such a good game. I would categorize Dixit cards as image cards mm -hmm. for processing. Yep. Uh, we could front load with Dixit cards. Dix these are elaborate, really cool artistic renderings. I'm assuming they're paintings of some sort mm -hmm. or from, I think that's a pair of artists mm -hmm. that create these just intricate, all kinds of images within a card. And they're great for, you have a lot of different choices on each card of how you represent whatever it is you want to um, answer a question. For, so for example, Dixit cards, when I use them as a front-loading tool, I'll put them all face up on a table and I ask people to pick a card that describes your group. Mm. How, do you, how do you see your group in some form or fashion? And because of all the intricacies of it, we get some great creative answers. Because uh, there's so many, again, so many choices on each card. Uh, so we pick them up. We pick them up. I have a little tape on the floor or a tape on the table. And when they when they choose one, they have to go put it on the tape. So I know that these are the ones that have been chosen. Then I go and say, okay, who put this one down? Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. So some people, if they see a card on the tape that they want to use, they don't have to pick their own card. They can say, well, I'll use that one too. So there's a process of, hey, what are other people do? Oh, I see that too in my group versus everybody getting an individual card. It doesn't have to be that way. If we have enough cards on the table, then we describe our team. Uh, at the end of the day, we can use it to tell the adventures, our story adventures of our team. Let's do a timeline. Let's do a story timeline of when we first got here. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the first few activities, any of the critical moments, then how did we close out the day? And then we start creating this really fun image journey of how people perceive their time together in their team building program. And then we go through that timeline. We describe who put this down? What did you see in the beginning? How, where did, and then people can overlap cards. They can put cards above or below of the timeline so they mesh up with the other people's story and how they saw that part of the adventure in their perspective. Mm. So it's a really neat visual journey. Yeah. Uh, and it's just so fun because of that visual appeal. Uh, and that's very captivating, you know, get that visual uh, learning style. And then the storytelling at the, at the end gets that auditory in and it's get that little more rich perspectives, I think, when you have some images to play off yeah of. now you just described using those cards like in just a single day program and yeah doing the storyline from beginning middle and end um i like to use that same process if you are listening to this podcast and you are a facilitator that has the luxury of working with the same people for a long period of time like like maybe school teachers or summer camp or something like that to where you you have a group for a specific amount of time I like to use that same storyline to have them come to consensus on one card that would best describe oh, nice. how the group came together at the very beginning. And I usually would f sequence this about halfway through. So that way then it is, well, it's one card that would describe how we came together at the beginning. Where's one that describes where we're at right now? Oh, nice. And then where's nice. one that, wh how do we want to end our time together? What's a goal or 
an image that what we want to project into the future of what our group Very looks cool. like at the at the conclusion. It's like so, a mid brief. Yes, yeah, a mid brief of what are you, what are you, looking back. Hey, where are we now? And then projecting yep. uh, that transfer of okay, what do we need to do to get to that point? That's mm-hmm. a nice way to get them to think in the middle of a program. Yeah, very cool. So that's I mean, cool. so you described it in a day, but I love doing that over a long period of time yeah. too. Nice. So. Very awesome. nice, very nice. Well, a couple of examples. Mm-hmm. Excited about the book. Uh, I, I am ready to dive in because I have quite a few of the games on my shelf that they've used uh, to transfer into the team building world. So and I, I heard a little birdie chirping oh. that uh, there may be a, a, a sequel? sequel. There's so much out there to uh, use and repurpose mm-hmm. in all different kinds of stores that we've talked about. But the toy aisle, there's just so many things to choose from. Mm-hmm. There's so many creative people out there making some really neat things. How do we how do we use that to our advantage? Yeah. How do we use that to our advantage? Well and so one thing that's fun is that the team or the toy manufacturing industry has now caught wind of that we do this, right? That we are now looking at dissecting games that are out there and kind of reinventing them using the same pieces and parts and so a lot of toy companies are now sending us games that they're like hey take a look at this one what what would you do with this one so matthew trevor and i we we are doing another writer's retreat where we're basically all the games that have been sent to us in the last few months um over the year or year um, we're going to get together, we're going to play games, and we're going to, I'm like, all right, how do I, we dissect this one, and things like that. So we're excited. There's just, it's, it's. I feel like it's one place where I've been really creative in the last year and a half of the pandemic and whatnot, to where it's been fun to to look at what's already out there, and then how can we tweak and change it to make it work for the team building field. So I'm having so much fun with it, and I hope that the book will also inspire you the listener to do the same thing what is your favorite game that you play on your family game nights so and, and things like that and then how could you take some of those same pieces and parts or elements of that game and then either make it macro how could you take that same game and all of a sudden what if it was a nine foot by nine foot you know instead of a nine foot but instead of a nine inch by nine inch grid or whatever board game like checkerboard game how do you take that same checkerboard game and then turn it into the macro version to where instead of the pieces being these little tiny pieces maybe the pieces are people and you know so so that's the mindset of and how we can reinvent the team building field with new energy and new life by re-examining tweaking changing and coming up with some new fun stuff. Thanks so much for listening. If you have additional answers or comments about this question, please send them our way. And if you have a question you'd like us to tackle, we would love to hear it. You can find the submission link and anything we discussed in today's episode in the show notes. Find the show notes and past episodes at onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. That's onteambuilding.com forward slash ask podcast. You can find me and sign up for my newsletter at training-wheels.com. You can sign up for my Fun Doing Fridays activity email and find me at onteambuilding.com. 
We hope you join us next week for Ask Michelle and Chris About Team Building.